0: Organic free range HTML, wild freshwater CSS, and 21 day mature JavaScript. This is not just a podcast. This is smashing.
1: It's smashing.
0: This episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking all about View. What's in the new version 3 release and how hard will it be to migrate? We talked to core team member Natalia Tebluhina to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a brand new article to the website five days a week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. different ways to design digital product pages. Suzanne Skacker demonstrates how clients selling digital content products through online marketplaces could increase their profits by designing their own digital product pages for smartphone users who are in that early discovery and research phase. Learn how your clients can have much more control over how their products are marketed and make more money in the process. Fortune Ikechi talks us through unit testing in React Native applications. Learn the core principles of testing, Explore various libraries for testing an application and see how to test units or components of a React Native application using the Jest testing framework and Enzyme. In five ways Google Analytics helps web developers in UI UX design, Clara Buenconsello asks if you've ever wondered what all those Google Analytics code snippets are for and why your marketing team regularly asks you to add new ones. In this article, Clara looks at five features in Google Analytics that help web designers and developers create better user experiences on their website. Jamie Corkill gives us an introduction to the use of generics in TypeScript, with examples grounded in real-world use cases, such as collections, approaches to error handling, the repository pattern, and so on. Understanding TypeScript generics hopes to provide an intuitive understanding of the notion of software abstraction through generics. And, in how to use face motion to interact with typography, Eduardo Kawaza looks at how to combine machine learning, variable fonts, and CSS grids to create layouts that respond to the proximity, the inclination, and the number of users' faces. He experiments with how to use face recognition with TensorFlow in order to extract some information from the user's camera, such as the distance between the screen and the user's face or the amount of people reading the page. He then passes that data to CSS in order to adapt typography and to adjust the page layout. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com articles. She's a passionate web developer, a Google developer expert, and a conference speaker and author. Currently, she's a staff front engineer at GitLab, but you may know her best as a Vue.js core team member. So clearly, she knows her way around Vue better than almost anyone. But did you know she once taught a kangaroo to sing? My smashing friends, please welcome Natalia Tepluhina. Hi, Natalia. How are you?
1: Hi, Drew. And this is this was a really nice attempt on my last name, I, I need to, like, give you credits. It was one of the best things that I ever heard from an English speaker when they try to pronounce my last name, because it's not possible if you're not Russian-speaking. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's correct pronunciation, is tepluchina, but it's, like, that's why I'm usually just asking people to call me Natalia and let's stop on this.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I made, I made an effort. <laughs> but the important question is, are you smashing? Of course I am. That's good. So I I wanted to talk to you today about some really exciting news uh, that we had in September with the release of Vue 3.0. It's been a a major release in terms of version number, but it really is a a big release for Vue and has been in the works for quite some time, hasn't it?
1: It is. I think we first announced version 3 in 2018. I think it was announced in spring, and the real work started in... I mean, Ideas was in spring, the real work started in 2018, autumn. And I think it was officially announced at View London conference, which happened in October 2018. So yeah, like active work took two years. And that's a lot if you think about... previous version was released in 2016, so half of these four years were also dedicated to view 3 work.
0: What was the, the sort of motivating factor in deciding that a new major version was called for? Was it a sort of conscious decision that, okay, we're going to work on a, on a major version, we're going to work on view 3, or was it sort of just an accumulation of, of changes that simply required a version bump?
1: No, I think it was an idea to create a new version due to a few very important things. <clears throat> so first of all, there was a motivation to change their reactivity. Previous one was built upon object-defined property, and it had a few caveats. They are all documented, but still, you know, even if you document something that people shouldn't do, they will do it anyway, and you would need to point them to documentation. Nobody reads documentation, by the way. For some reason, it just it just <laughs> happens until you point people out. like... It doesn't exist in docs, it does, but okay, (laughs) we will teach you anyway. (laughs) So reactivity was one of the things, performance was the next. View still, View2 still had and has not the worst performance, but we had a few ideas about how to make View faster. And also there was one pain point for a particular part of our, let's say, audience, people that use View, it was TypeScript. View2 internally was written in flow which is still strongly typed one but typings with typescript were a real nightmare especially if you were working with our state management Vuex. so this was again a huge part and the last one was we kind of missed the functionality to abstract logic in terms of not components but composable logic parts like functions helpers and so on but they should be able to include view activity as well. A nice example here could be React hooks. Right? They allow you to abstract a part of the functionality. And this was clearly missing in Vue. And I know that right now it sounds like you stole the feature from React, not in fact. I believe that ideas cross-pollination is a big and nice part in our ecosystem. And also it helps developers to switch between frameworks, right? So we were working on these main features to create a Vue 3 as a merger, major version.
0: I think it's it's one of the great things about existing in an open source ecosystem is that there's a wealth of ideas and experience all out there from all sorts of different projects. And uh, the ability to, to borrow those ideas and borrow the experience from other projects is really beneficial and, and makes everything stronger, doesn't it?
1: It is. I think it... It works the way we call an iteration value at GitLab. When you come up with an idea, it's never perfect. It's mostly like some very raw, very hard-coded thing. Maybe it changes something, but it's like definitely not perfect. And you need to f- few iterations over this idea to make it really good. Not even perfect, just good. And it happens with the ideas in the ecosystem someone comes up with a good idea and you just take it and make it better and better and i bet that well there will be frameworks that will take some ideas from you. maybe they're already taking some ideas from you and make it better and there is nothing bad here i'm strongly against like you're stealing ideas that's like not stealing this is just cross-pollination
0: exactly yeah um you mentioned uh, the migration to TypeScript. So, Vue 3 itself is is written using TypeScript now. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes, it does. And trust me, Drew, I was writing the documentation, the small document about how to use Vue with TypeScript. And I was like, okay, probably somehow like Vue 2. And I overcomplicated the document so hard. I was like typing everything explicitly. Like, looks good. Everything is typed. I can see types. So, my, my TSLint is happy. So, so far, so good. And then one of our developers who was working with TypeScript like, you don't need to do this. Like, how? How come? You don't need to do explicit types to data. Like, you just give it an initial value and ts knows its number. It's already typed. Like, how come? I removed like 90% of explicit types from the document. The only two things you will really need to type is props you pass to the component and computed properties we have. They still require return types. But REST is like, typed automatically you just wrap a component with a method we call defineComponent, and that's it. It's typed. It's like, it just works. And for me, and I was working with Angular in my past experience a lot, I have a Stockholm Syndrome for TypeScript, And I know everything should be typed explicitly. I mean, if you have complex types, of course you will need to write interfaces, but this is how TypeScript works, right? Still, it's like it's so much easier to work with TypeScript right now with Vue 3.
0: So that's great. So it's a a benefit both to the Vue core project and to um, developers who are building applications using Vue because they can use TypeScript in their applications nicely with Vue now, where they couldn't with with 2.0 so it and any version of two um, so easily. Uh, those who are familiar with the Vue community will be aware that Vue's creator, Evan Yu, is still leading the project very actively. Uh, how does the core team function? How is it structured when it comes to the development process? It's not all Evan, is it?
1: That's such a great question, Drew. <clears throat> because for years, literally, people were speaking about Vue as I quote this and I will sound harsh but sorry it's like a framework of one Chinese person like Chinese framework even <laughs> and I mean even with Vue 1.x there was already a team and there was a big team behind Vue 2 and even bigger team behind Vue 3 so the thing is we all have different responsibilities when we speak about Vue there are people who are working on core and this is not just Evan himself, he's doing most of work on Vue Core, definitely, and he's leading the project as well. But there are people who works on Vue Core, and their contributions are absolutely invaluable. And there are a few new people joining Vue team as well that working on Core. And there are also smaller teams working on ecosystem. There are people that working on Vue Router, like Eduardo. There are people working on Vue CLI, on Vuex, on documentation as well. There is a whole team that works on documentation because we believe documentation is important. And currently on our website there is, I think, 21, 20 or 21 percent. I always like, miss the count that belong to the core team. But this is not a static list because we are not hiring. Obviously, we are an open source team. This is not paid job. But we believe that if someone contributes a lot to any of parts of the Vue ecosystem, when people already do the job of the core team member, it's just giving them recognition with just access to the repositories and formal title.
0: That's great because uh, that can um, it's, it's a case where contributing to an open source project um, can really sort of pay back to a, to an individual that they get some recognition and that can have an impact in your professional career and uh, and what have you uh, for listeners who uh, may not be used to vue but perhaps they're familiar with other reactive frameworks such as you know react angular and so on what are the big sort of headline changes with vue 3 and um, Specifically, what problems are they trying to solve? You, you mentioned Composition earlier as, as one of those things. Is that one of the big changes?
1: Yes, this is one of the biggest changes. And it's actually one of the things that are... First of all, Like, let me make a clear statement here. Composition API is purely additive. It's not that you need to rewrite your components. You can add Composition API to them. Or you might prefer to use old syntax. Now we call it Options API. And nothing will change for you in these terms. It's like when we're speaking about new API, this is not a breaking change. I just want to emphasize this really, it's really important to say because when we first announced the Composition API, it was an awful moment. I think we didn't really describe the changes nicely and we made it seem that standard build will be Composition API. It's our bad completely, and options is like maybe we will deprecate it in future builds, not on view three clearly. And if there are any chances that people will read what you said wrong, they will read it wrong. <laughs> like immediately after this statement, it was RFC where we just proposed a change. Reddit exploded. Reddit was filled full of like. Oh my god! I will need to write everything. Oh my god! Vue is new Angular. They're going to break all the thing. And there was a guy who created an article on Dev.2 Point on Dev. Two called Vue Darkest Day. It was a darkest day. <laughs> Honestly, we felt so. But I was like trying to kind of fight this on my own Twitter. Like uh, people, we we are not really. And it was like the worst thing that we started to change the RFC, I think Evan started to change an RFC without announcing changes. So he was like, I will just quickly rewrite this, it's like pushing to master. (laughs) People were mad about this because they were arguing about certain points, then you just refresh a page and these points not exist anymore. You feel like, am I a fool or just, what the hell, I mean, it it wasn't right there. I remember this. (laughs) And I believe that our communication strategy could be better. And this is us. So right now, every single time I speak about composition, this is purely additive, people. This is just a nice feature. You can use it. You can not use it. You're not obliged to. Just, it exists.
0: So what, what is the, um, the sort of the problem that somebody might get themselves into where the composition API is a new thing that helps them get out of that problem? What, what problem is it solving?
1: So imagine the component that has a few features inside of it. Let's say it's search and sorting. Let's say we search for a certain list and we try to sort it. This is already two different features, and the thing with view components is they are split based on the options, not based on the logic. So imagine your search has probably a query, right, because you need to make a query to search, and array of results. And these are two reactive properties. So in terms of view component, you put them to the option that is called data. And obviously you need some method to perform a sort, maybe a button click, maybe something else. So, something that runs the search. You create a method. And for sorting, you need to build something upon sorting options, another reactive property. And you perform some calculation to sort the results. In view, for this, you also have computed properties, which is another option. At the end, your component became really fragmented and imagine i'm a developer and i have a task to work only on searching part i cannot split the component right now because these two features are kind of crossing their ways i search for some results i'm sorting them and i need to jump from data to method from method to computed, and at the end it's really hard to just switch the context especially if component grows really big so, how what options did we have in Vue two? First option was called mixings, and mixing is just an object that can contain the same properties component can have. And we are mixing them in with a component. Sounds good. I can just move all my search in there and what is the problem? There are a few. First, this is completely not flexible. If I want to search for a certain endpoint and I move this to mixing, this will be the only endpoint I can search for. Mixings don't accept parameters. I created a mixing, it's completely static. Second issue is mixing is mixed in, which means for certain properties it happens like a merge. For example, if you have created hooks, it will be merged. So all the logic in the lifecycle hook from the mixing component are merged together. But if you have a data property called query, in the mixing and by any chance you have the same in the component component has a priority it will be overridden you will have no warnings absolutely it will just happen and you will have no idea this happened
0: so all the scope is completely mixed
1: yep completely so it's like there is no chance you will see and also mixings are very unclear source you just import the mixing with name and put it to view component property mixing that's it it's very implicit and I I'm speaking about this from the point of my own experience we have a logic at gitlab where component contains two mixings and every of these two mixings contains another mixing and here it goes here is a property you need to check and like it's not in the component let's go deeper like first level mixing this one doesn't contain it and this one doesn't contain it as well where it is when you're diving deep just Deep down the rabbit hole, just to find this property and testing becomes a nightmare as well. So mixings are a very, let me say, dumb way of abstracting the logic. It's plain, it's clear, it's very easy to get. It brings you so many problems if you want to work with this on advanced level. Next way of abstracting logic in Vue 2 was renderless components. So in Vue component can contain a slot, basically a where you can put anything from the parent component, a small window, a slot, actually. (laughs) And there is an idea of scoped slots. So imagine the child component that can expose its own scope back to parent, and slot content will have an access to this. Imagine I have a component with a slot, and component performs all the logic regarding tests, searching, let's say searching, we pass an endpoint, We pass parameters, our child component like searching, and then it exposes this part of its scope back to parent. Okay, these are search results. Enjoy! Sounds good. Sounds definitely better than mixing. So we can pass parameters. The logic is explicit here. We are returning something. Issues? There are a few. First of all, you create a view component instance. This is not the cheapest operation in the world. Second part, it's runtime. The component only works in runtime, and this means that exposed property from this component will be only able in the slot. You exposed it as a scoped slot, so your search results are only available in the small part of your template. If you want to play with them in the script part of the component, you don't have access there, it's runtime. So there was no way to abstract this logic if you needed a reactive state somewhere else. Of course, you can can create a helper like a pure function and return results, but what if I need to operate with reactive properties? That's how Composition API was created. With the Composition API, you can work, you can have standalone reactive state. Reactive state is not just part of the component anymore. You can make any object or primitive reactive. And you can expose it back to parent, it's very explicit. Every property you want to return to parent is exposed. It's explicit, you can click on this, you can see where it is, what it is, and so on. And the best part. If you include the part of the Composition API to old good component that has data, methods, computed properties, whatever, it just works. It just works perfectly. You just add a few reactive properties and methods to your component and you can use them with Alt Options API as well.
0: So this sounds like it's really going to help um, developers clean up their code bases when it comes to very complex components or m- even mildly complex um, uh, sort of combination of, of components. And you mentioned the sort of testability of mix-ins and things. Um, does, does the Composition API allow for better testability?
1: Yes, definitely, because Composition API, if we exclude lifecycle hooks from this, because you also can run a lifecycle hook in the composable, it's actually pure function. You pass parameters, you return something, and outside of lifecycle hooks, there is no side effects. And testing pure functions, as you know, is probably the easiest thing. It's just a black box. You pass parameters. You have something to return.
0: That that sounds um, a, a very comprehensive solution to a problem that I'm sure a lot of people building more complex uh, apps with with Vue will appreciate. Um, and it certainly sounds like a really great way to eliminate the sort of bugs that I know can creep in with mixins, um, where it's very very easy to introduce bugs, like you mentioned, with with the scope being merged and and all those sorts of things. I think a massive consideration when choosing to build on top of a framework is it's sort of API stability over time. And maybe stability isn't the right word, but I think many of us have been stung by building on top of a framework, then undergoes a sort of big reworking and leaves us with apps that either require a, a sort of a massive investment to migrate, or they just end up being bound to an old version of, of a framework, which then is no longer supported Um, It's a horrible situation to be in. How much sleep am I going to lose moving a big project from Vue 2 to Vue 3?
1: So first of all, API surface is 90% the same that it was. We didn't have that many deprecated things. We deprecated filters, which are replaceable with computed. We deprecated event hubs. So event emitter. If you want to use an event emitter, you would need to replace a view-based one with some external library as well. These are big changes, but speaking about migration, let's, okay, let me make it clear. Like I'm really torn right now because on the one hand I'm Vue.js core team member. On the other hand, I'm a staff engineer in the big project that uses Vue. So if you are about to start migration right now, I would not recommend doing so. First of all, the ecosystem is not released I mean, if we speak about core libraries like Vue Router, Vuex, Vue CLI, these are in the good shape, uh, but they still release candidates, not releases. And if we speak about other ecosystem, like not core libraries, maybe UI component libraries, maybe some form validation libraries, they are not ready mostly for Vue 3. And if you have a big project, you have so many dependencies, you need to care. So this would be a complicated thing. Like So what are options? You have a big project. You want to use all this Composition API goodness. How to achieve this? First of all, we plan to release our, an LTS build of Vue 2.7. That will include lots of deprecation warnings. So you will be able to see what is going to be deprecated, how to refactor it, not to break it with Vue 3. So you will be still... Technically using Vue 2, but you will be preparing to Vue 3 anyway, because you have all the warnings. Second, we release a migration tool that will be you will be able to just run it, and it will work as a code mode, replacing things that relate to Vue 2 with Vue 3 alternatives. Of course, no code modes are perfect, so we aim to, first of all, make replacements whenever possible, but also show warnings whenever deprecation is like not that easily handled. Like so code not will be able to recognize a thing and throw a warning but not replace it by itself. So this is like a big plan and by the moment view 2.7 is released and I think right now the estimation time arrival is December, if I if I remember correctly, I would need to check the roadmap, but I think it's December the ecosystem will be also more or less ready. So if you have a large project with Vue 2, just wait a bit more until core is stabilized. Because even if you produce a perfect library, it still needs some time to stabilize because people start using this, people start reporting bugs. If you're about to use it for pet project and report bugs, please, you're very welcome to do so. And after this, there will be a good... Smooth way of migrating to Vue
0: three. So the the migration tool that you mentioned sounds quite interesting. Is is that as basically a static analysis tool? Is it that that looks through your code and?
1: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's a code mode tool. Right now, it's available very in a very limited way. It's available as a plugin of Vue CLI. So if you have Vue CLI based project, you can run Vue upgrade and see how the tool works it's not in the shape we wanted to be so far and unfortunately i don't work on a project built on VCLI. <laughs> so i would need to wait and check what migration what what is going on but for example in gitlab we already taken a few steps even without migration tool to prepare because we know what what is deprecated it's actually stated on the view 3 documentation there is migration guide so you can see all the breaking changes and things that have deprecated and you can already work on part of them, on, even on Vue 2 codebase. For example, in Vue 2.6, we changed a syntax for slots. So, syntax for scope slot was dep- old syntax, was deprecated but not denied. It still exists. It gives you a warning, but you can run it. And of course, with a codebase that was seven years old, nobody cares about replacing all the deprecated syntax if it just works. It's just, I mean, there are no warnings in production, right? Slots work. In development, like, oh, I see some warning in the console, maybe 20 or whatever. fine. It's yellow, not red. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it happens to everyone. So we created an, like a huge epic to work on this, like find all the occurrences of all syntax. We made an effort to replace our event emitters again. Seven years old project. Don't judge us. We have event emitters. <laughs> Part of GitLab was working on event hubs, so we replaced view-based one with external library. So I would recommend doing the same, like going through migration guide, checking what can be replaced already, what changes you can already make to prepare, and start working on this.
0: And does the with the current state of the migration um, tool be a good way of just sort of? testing the waters with your code base, just sort of running it and having a look to see what it flags up already uh, to see if it looks sort of okay or if there are some big things or, or is it still too immature for that? Is it better to wait till December when it might actually be able to fix things?
1: If you have a big project, I wouldn't recommend doing so. If you have small pet project or maybe some personal project, but it's not that large, I would recommend running it and checking issues like what, what whatever you have. Because for like two mid-sized projects I've been running it, I had, I think, one or two issues. So I can't say it's immature, it's already in a good shape. But for like big projects, again, it's legacy, it's some exotic stuff, so don't do this in production, people. Also, if you want to play like with a scaffolding a view project, right now Vue CLI supports two modes. You can create Vue 2 project, you can create Vue 3 project, and definitely give it a try at least. So this is a good way for us as well, because as you play, you discover bugs. You report bugs. We try to fix them, and so on.
0: In the in the docs and on the um, development roadmap, I see mention of a migration build. Is is that something different to what we've talked about, or is that uh, what we're talking
1: no, about? No, no, it's the same. It's the same one, and it should be it should be ready. But so for now, if you plan migration, the main path is it just read docs and follow whatever is said there, because we definitely made an effort. Whenever we don't have migration tool, documentation team went ahead and created a detailed guide of like, what is the change, why it has been made, and what is actually a replacement here?
0: Yes, um, in the docs is quite a comprehensive migration guide. Uh, as, as part of the, the V3 uh, docs. And it mentions an awful lot of changes that need migrating. I guess some of those won't impact every project. A lot of them were uh, essentially edge cases for a lot of people. Is that fair?
1: Yes. Uh, like a good chunk of them, for example, filters definitely are some edge cases. Because, I mean, even at GitLab, with, as I it's for the third time, seven years old code base and a big one. We had one or two occurrences of filters, and they were not used anymore. It was a good thing that I, we searched for them and removed them completely. Because, like, oh, unused code. And again, who cares? It just exists. So I, I would say that totally like breaking changes are V model changes. So take a look at this, because every single project I know contains at least one V model for sure. This should be checked and maybe attributes changes as well because currently we are including class and style to dollar sign address. And if you ever worked with you, previously it wasn't included. So right now the way you pass class and style to a child components is slightly different and it definitely worth an intention.
0: That's that's good to know. So the the three point zero uh, releases the current release of view i mean you mentioned the um the, the sort of uh, the ecosystem and everything around it view x and all these other parts of the ecosystem that need to get forward to that level is that why currently the the, the website the big getting started button still all goes to view two uh, i it, it kind of feels it feels like <laughs> view three has been released but you know not with full confidence but is it because of that ecosystem issue that that, uh, that it's like that still.
1: Not no, I, th- I think I think just found the bug. Let me just quickly check. Oh no, get started is is pointing to v3, it's fine. <laughs> I mean if you go to vuejs.org it points to version two. This is intentional because we plan to replace it with um uh, subdomain, like v two vjs.org in progress, but so far we decide like to leave vuejs.org where it is, and create v3. And there is a banner. I swear, there is a banner on viewgs.org. So if you go to any doc,
0: there's a very tiny banner at the top. Yeah.
1: Yes, like small. Yeah. <laughs> we should make it bigger, I guess. Like bigger and with a better color contrast. Like my accessibility feeling stays. Like oh, there is not enough contrast there.
0: So I mean that. So that that's good news. So if somebody's starting a maybe not a. a big project, but if somebody's starting a personal project or or wanting to learn Vue, certainly Vue 3 is is the place to start?
1: I would say so. The learning curve is not that different, by the way, because it was an intention of the documentation team to have the old syntax options. I shouldn't say old, it's actually current syntax, the familiar syntax as a default one, because if you go through Vue 3 documentation, you will see that we start with the Composition API only in advanced topics. And the learning path that we, you have with Vue 3 is kind of similar that what you had in Vue 2. So there is no big deal to start with a newer version. If you just learn in Vue and try to experiment with it. And I believe it would be a better investment if we speak about career. Start learning the newer version because it will be overtaking all the projects. Eventually, like maybe half of a year, a year, even for big size project, there will be a migration.
0: I seem to have in my personal career uh, a real talent of um, coming to uh, platforms just as they're in the process of a big migration. I mean, even far as, uh, as far back as, um, do you remember, Macromedia Director? You, going back that far and shockwave flash and and all that sort of stuff and i I, I came to that as they were transition transitioning to dot syntax and I had to learn both and i here i am i find myself um, uh, in the last month working on a project in view for the first time, which is a view two project uh, and learning as i go uh, and looking forward to um, to all the the things that are coming in view three so uh, it's uh, it's a, a certainly an interesting time to be learning something as it migrates, but it sounds like it's not too difficult with Vue. And, and once the, the ecosystem has uh, caught up with, with the core, um, then we should be in a in a good place.
1: Oh, Drew, it's like, I just want to make a point about whatever you said, like a big project in migration. You can imagine me like 2018, autumn, I'm joining GitLab. I wasn't a core team member. I was just a contributor at this moment. Immediately at the same time, Evan is like, oh, we are going to make a Vue 3. Everyone like, yeah, cool. Spring of 2019, you are the core team. And the whole GitLab is like, oh, this is cute. (laughs) We will have a migration. And you know who is kind of responsible for this. And you can only imagine how it happens when you write documentation for Vue 3. Everybody will be reading. And your own company is like, Oh, I want to learn something about Vue 3. I can't understand your docs. Sorry, Nick. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> this is so painful <laughs> because you're a developer there and tech writer kind of here you're like in the middle of this. But I have to say it's really beneficial for framework as well because any big product created with the framework is a great, absolutely great battlefield to find bugs and bring them back to the library, to the ecosystem. I can say that tests and gitlab is open sourced so view test utils so which is a testing tool for view a team was using our testing code base to run tests which makes a lot of sense right because you can find some edge cases and so on but still when you when i think about migrating gitlab to view 3 i feel like a personal responsibility for this i'm not on only in the middle of migration, like personally responsible for every single bug we will find. (laughs)
0: Um, Looking back at sort of previous, uh, the previous generation of JavaScript frameworks, I think one of the most successful um, of those was jQuery back in the day. Uh, I think it gained traction because it had an extremely well-designed API. Um, Just this concept of like taking a CSS selector and using it to query the DOM in your JavaScript was something that jQuery uh, popularized. Um, and I think that really resonated with sort of hardworking developers who didn't need to learn a new way to uh, to work with JavaScript. I, I see Vue almost being in that same sort of camp. Um, I mentioned I, I was previously working with React and moved to Vue in the last few weeks. And I found almost everything to be more intuitive uh, in the most genuine sense, as in I can look at something I'm familiar and, and pretty much understand what it's doing. And if I need to do something I've not done before, I can sort of guess at how it would be implemented and usually I'm right um, or, you know, close close to it. Um, is the API of you something that the core team think about very closely or is it just turned out well almost as a happy accident because of the, the personalities involved?
1: I think at the times of you too, we had a concept. It's changed slightly, but we had a concept that was called documentation driven design. And it's a really great concept because if something is really hard to explain and really hard to get and really hard to write down, maybe the API is wrong there. Maybe something is not developed as it should be. Because non-intuitive solutions, something that is like very cryptic and you need to like put a lot of work to explain usually is not right. So the API was shaped the way that is the easiest to explain and that's why it's intuitive if, if it's easy to explain people probably will get it on themselves that's why the, all the directives like v if and v4 look very familiar for any JavaScript developer you don't need to explain what v if is doing because it's it's clear right <laughs> it really it's clear. rendering something and same with v else like v if v else if we we else that's it and we intuitively like built v4 with a syntax that is, looks like just for loop in JavaScript, and same for like most the biggest part of the API. I think the main intention since v- Vue 1.0, and I think Evan also stated this in his talks, was to create something that you have pleasure to work with as a tool. Like it's all about developer experience as well. And I think this is what attracted me in Vue back in time as well. I started with Vue when it was already in beta for version two. I didn't work that much with Vue point one. I think there were not that many people familiar <laughs> with Vue for the first version. But I was like, it's so nice to use. I'm just building the same stuff, and it's just been a pleasure. It's, it's just I don't need to think about the tool. I'm thinking about what I'm going to build. And tool is just not preventing me from doing this. And again, this I need to state this next one will be totally personal opinion, not as a view core team member. I've been working with Angular from version 2 to version 6 on a commercial project. And it's a great framework in like many different terms. It has lots of abstraction. The dependency injection is amazing. TypeScript support is absolutely incredible. But I constantly had a feeling that I'm building a wall with a huge heavy bricks and I just need to make an effort to move every single brick I mean the wall is amazing bricks are still heavy like it's just it's just hard being a developer and after this yeah working with you was like oh it's just like a walk in the park
0: there can be a danger with software that when it's so well designed that it makes everything feel really easy that it sort of gets branded as a toy, as not being as powerful as the things that are really complex. Uh, Do you think that's a a risk with you? Do you think uh, that it might be regarded as less serious as some of the other reactive frameworks simply because it's better designed?
1: Oh, it was. It was for this reason and for a few more reasons as well. And honestly, for a good amount of time, I think I had this question every single conference I've been speaking at. Would you recommend view for a big-size project, for enterprise, for like serious project? And every single time I was like, yes, you can use it for like small project. It's easy to scaffold something. You can use it for the big-size project. And honestly, if we speak about enterprise-size project, framework is the least of the issues you need to solve. I mean, you can take any framework on the market, be it old one, be it Ember, be it whatever else, be it Angular 1, and create a good and stable architecture. You can take any of the newest framework like latest release, Vue 3, Svelte, latest React, and build absolutely incredibly awful stuff. It depends on how you build it and how your team is working on this, whatever you have there, how you plan all the architectural decisions, because I think none of the framework, maybe Angular a bit, is dictating an architecture. Angular kind of does this thing. Rest of frameworks, like you're free, build it. And yes, also, I think the issue with Vue, not an issue, but issue in minds of people and especially in minds of company management, was it's not backed by a big company. You have an Angular and there is a Google standing behind Angular. There is React and there is Facebook supporting React. There is Vue and who like some chinese guy again this is like like a stigma there is a framework of one guy what if evan Yu is hit by bus there was an article what is evan Yu is hit by bus i swear on that too this is cute and big companies are probably like what if they drop support what if they decide maybe even he decides if we speak about evan what if he decides he doesn't want to work on this and as we can see over years it's good and stable, and it's developing, and it's, like, it's not an issue, but there were, And honestly, uh, I think when framework is completely open-sourced and built with a team of people that are not engaged, that are not like, subjective, that are not under one big company, it's actually better for the framework. Last year, we introduced the RFC process. So it's actually just a request for commands. We have an idea, we drop it. People come there and people argue there. And if we create an RFC for anything, this means that it's not decided. It's not set in stone. We just have an idea and we want to hear what community thinks. And I believe it's great. Because view is shaped by developers' community. This is not just loud words. like No, this is not like production slogan. Like by the community for the community. I remember we used this, but it's true. It's actually shaped by community. It's not shaped for the needs of a certain company, even for big companies, even for companies that are sponsoring view, they're not shaping the framework. And I believe this is great.
0: It's quite telling when you, I mean, you mentioned that the sort of list of, of active um, core team members is 20-ish people and it, they're all listed on the site. And next to everyone, it says what, what they work on in the project and also where they work professionally. And just looking down the list of where people work professionally, I mean, you're at GitLab and there, other people are just independent consultants. And there's no, you know, it's not like eight, 18 of the 20 people work at Big Corp. It's everybody's just contributing from all over the place, which, as you say, is a, a real point of strength. Yeah. Um, that there, there's no one uh, no one big body controlling it that could for their own business purposes just say we're changing direction we're not going to do this anymore and pull away all that support and leave the project in a mess it is just lots of individuals contributing and, and doing their best to make something good which I think is a, a really strong foundation for for something like something as important as a framework that people are building on top of. Um, I have to say, uh, you know, spending the first half of this year uh, learning React and then changing jobs and now I'm learning uh, Vue, personally, it feels to me like a a breath of fresh air. And I sort of really want to commend the work that you and your colleagues are doing on that. Um, For those who are wanting to find out more about Vue, the 3.0 release or just generally about Vue, you can go to Vue.js.org. Uh, currently, the version 3-specific version, as we mentioned, uh, is linked in a little banner at the top. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, uh, the site will have uh, will have changed and will just be Vue. Um, but that's where also where you'll find the docs, and in the docs is that really good migration guide that, uh, that we mentioned. So I've been learning all about Vue 3.0. What have you been learning about lately, Natalia?
1: Oh, I've been learning about Apollo Client version 3. And it's funny because if you look at versions and I've been watching both both of them they're going completely the same way like Apollo Client was 2.6 and Vue was 2.6 and Apollo promised a release for a year and they were delaying and delaying it it was for a long time in beta than in release candidate same was for Vue we announced the release and then we were delaying it again and again then moved to beta a bit late and moved to release candidate and they released not the same time, but like not with a big time difference. Apollo, I think, was released in summer, beginning of summer, and we use Apollo as well. I use it professionally, and now I kind of try to build something with Vue three and Apollo three, which is not an easy task because Apollo did a good number of changes. Again, we're adjusting them at work, but for example, like removing local resolvers, it's like. What do I do now? What do I do with my local queries? So if you're curious about Apollo Client version 3, definitely give it a try. It's interesting to see how it's evolving.
0: I'm definitely going to give that a try. I've, I've used uh, Apollo on a, a couple of projects and it's uh, it's really great. So uh, it's good to see that um, pushing ahead as well. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Natalia, you can follow her on Twitter where she's n underscore tepluhina. And you can find collections of her articles and videos of public speaking events, much of which is about view, on her website, nataliatepluhina.com. Thanks for joining us today, Natalia. Do you have any parting words for us?
1: Not really, but thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun to speak there. This is Smashing.
0: And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at smashingmag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food.